0: Exact Nature's all natural CBD based products are specially formulated to help you lighten the load and recovery, be it with addictive cravings, depression and anxiety, or improving sleep. Founded and run by a father-son team, both in recovery, this issue is personal for them. Learn more at exactnature.com, and as a listener of the Sobriety Diaries, use the code TSD20 to receive a 20% discount at purchase. Again, TSD20 at exactnature.com.
1: There are 15 to 20 million Americans that have been formally diagnosed with alcohol use disorder. Yeah. I'm not one of them. I am not one of them, which tells you how dramatically underreported yes. that actually is.
0: Sober Day friends, welcome to The Sobriety Diaries. My name is Nate. I am a grateful recovering alcoholic seven years from my last drink. The Sobriety Diaries is a video podcast where we share powerful stories of recovery told by those who lived them. Check us out at thesobrietydiaries.com for all things podcast related. And for all our video interviews, head over to youtube.com slash Kelly. Also, please share this podcast with just one person in your life who may still be struggling. You just never know what they may need to hear today. Recovery is possible. Let's open the diary on the fabulous, the juicy Kay Allison. I am here with my new friend, Kay Allison. Kay, what a... Breath of fresh air, a ray of sunshine, if you will. How are you, my friend?
1: I am fantastic today. And yes, I am awash in bright pink and bright yes. red.
0: Yes. So if you're not watching us on YouTube, you can head over there at youtube.com slash Nate Kelly. All the episodes of the podcast are up. Kay brought her a game today with the, the pink <laughs> and the glasses. I love it.
1: Thanks. Yeah. These have become my trademark since the beginning of Zoom.
0: I love it. Yeah, it's something that we all had to either get on board with and adjust to quickly or kind of be left in the dust, right? Yeah, very true. So, Kay, I know you're very active in the recovery community. So what prompted you to take that leap and recover out loud?
1: When I was new in recovery, I walked into a meeting and there at the front of the room was this absolutely gorgeous woman. She was well dressed. She was articulate. She had it together and she was telling her story. And she said, Well, it was 3 a.m. I was in my living room with my husband, my boyfriend, and the police. And I thought that was perfectly normal. And she threw (laughs) back this glorious mane of auburn curls and laughed. (laughs) And Nate, at that point, my light was so buried under shame and remorse and regret and embarrassment and denial all topped off with a nothing to see here ma'am pass on by you know that i remember being viscerally shocked and yet i so wanted what she embodied, which to me was freedom and hope and just that sparkling sense of being alive. And that's what I want to do for other women. I want to be that beacon of hope and of light and of sparkle and of possibility Because when I got sober, I thought my life was going to suck. I thought it was going to be gray and dark. And I was going to be going to the library on Friday nights for fun. (laughs) Right. And, um, and gosh, I just want to be this beacon of aliveness that's really possible once we get free from the alcohol.
0: I I almost see it as not an obligation, but if we have... The voice and we are comfortable sharing our story and we have a platform to do so, who are we not to share that? And I had several experiences in early recovery, as you are describing, where I was just really in awe of the folks speaking at meetings and the things that they were sharing. They may not have been speaking my exact story, but there was a connection and it helped me to find my voice and become confident and comfortable sharing it. Uh, One of the reasons that led to this podcast. So I love that. And we share that in common with wanting to be that sort of beacon of light and wanting to be perhaps something that, you know, others see themselves in.
1: You know, there are 15 to 20 million Americans that have been formally diagnosed with alcohol use disorder. Yeah. I'm not one of them. I'm not one of them, which tells you how dramatically underreported yes. that actually is. Same. We all fudge. The doctor asks, how yeah. much do you drink? And we all fudge, right? Yes. And um, we say three glasses of wine, but the glasses are tumblers rather than four ounces or whatever they're supposed to be. You know, of course, in AA, they don't take attendance and there isn't a master, you know, role of membership, but it's estimated that there's one and a half to 2 million members of AA I mean, that's a big gap between two and 20 and the 20 is understated. So there's a whole huge population out there that doesn't identify with being called an alcoholic that doesn't believe in God or doesn't call it that. And who doesn't want to go into a church basement where they might see people that they know. So There is a huge population where talking about being alcohol-free is actually not a taboo and where it actually is, it's just really needed.
0: We place so many labels on people and things, and and we feel the need to classify and put people into categories or boxes. And I have a good friend, Blair, who's been on the podcast and writes for a lot of publications regarding her sobriety and it she she classifies herself simply as that alcohol free i decided that alcohol wasn't working for me in my life so i i decided to remove it therefore i'm alcohol free you know she doesn't necessarily identify as an alcoholic or to your point has not been diagnosed with alcohol use disorder so there are these different Categories, for lack of a better word, where how can we just come together as a community of those who do not need or use or want alcohol in our lives?
1: I do not identify with being an alcoholic. I mean, it doesn't serve, I don't think that term does anybody any good. So I also say that I'm free from alcohol, I'm alcohol free and um i find that that is more inviting a more inviting way to talk about not drinking for a lot of people that are put off by the
0: label I alcoholic i agree yeah. well let's talk about your journey a bit when was your last drink and what led up to that day in particular
1: my last drink was on August eighth of nineteen ninety nine. So my Friday date is eight nine ninety nine. Yeah, it's been a little bit. It's I been, love that. It's been a little while. Yeah. Hmm. Not quite to the point where I've been sober as long as I was drinking. But give me a couple of years, and yeah. then I'm here.
0: Come back then. We'll. we'll talk, <laughs> okay. We'll talk All then too. <laughs> All
1: right. Um, had become adjusted to the fact that once I started drinking, I really didn't know what was going to happen. And I'd kind of worked my life around that I moved out of the suburbs and downtown Chicago so that I could take a cab. We didn't have Uber then, (laughs) boys and girls. So I could take a cab home rather than driving drunk up the highway. And um, so I had become kind of Okay, with that and and planned my world around that. And I knew that my drinking wasn't working all that well. There were like little breadcrumbs, like Hansel and Gretel, kind of from the beginning of 1999. I actually went to my first meeting in February of 99. And the people freaked me out. (laughs) As I recall, and I'm sure this is not what happened. But as I recall, This woman that held my hand in the circle afterwards looked up at me and said, nobody walks through these doors by mistake. Oh, here's what really happened. I um, was a single parent. I was a senior vice president president in a global ad agency. I was a single parent. I had two kids that were then, I think, nine and 15, and uh, I was turning 40. I was turning 40 on Tuesday so of course I threw the party on Saturday the <laughs> Saturday before
0: <laughs> and and the Saturday after I'm sure you planned but
1: <laughs> and so I threw this really grandiose party that I could not afford and I had people in I had probably four people 40 people come in and I remember saying I am going to show up and be present tonight because I have all these dear friends coming in and I'm going to drink diet Coke. And the little guy with the champagne on the silver tray came around one too many times. Nate. It's
0: his fault. Damn it. It's
1: his fault. If he had just left <laughs> me alone, I would have been fine. Right. But I remember thinking, oh gosh, one glass of wine at 1030 isn't going to hurt. And then my children had to undress me and put me to bed. Wow. And I was done. I mean, I didn't flip a car. I didn't kill anybody. I didn't end up in prison. All of this stuff has happened to people that I know and love. That wasn't my story. I had skipped past many a moral (laughs) line before that point, (laughs) believe me. And I just kept resetting where the moral line was, but having my children see me in that state of being out of my mind was unacceptable, just unacceptable. And the switch flipped. Well, actually it didn't. So that was Sunday morning. So I woke up with remorse, shame, regret, embarrassment. Oh, and a little bit of clarity. So I knew I had to quit and um but i thought oh it's sunday aa is closed
0: <laughs> you know <laughs> business hours only
1: yes yeah, so i i went to my first meeting on monday
0: you know i started in the rooms uh, of 12 step program as well so i know that there are things that we practice and do but internally what was it that you sort of had to hold on to
1: so here's what i've learned i've learned that drinking as few as 7 drinks a week regularly rewires our neural circuits. And so baseline, we are more anxious when we drink Mm -hmm. after we, right. So it takes the edge off. Sure. That's why we all drink, right. Takes the edge off, but long-term drinking actually increases our anxiety. So if you drink every Wednesday night, your neural circuitry is rewired to be baseline, more anxious and baseline, more impulsive. And not just when you're drinking impulsive, like you say the off the cuff thing (laughs) to the boss or the client or the in-law or whatever that you go, Oh, I shouldn't have said that. And then, Oh, you need a drink to, to take, that hedge off, right? So it's this insidious cycle. And what what I've learned is that those first 30 days, 60 days are really hard. They're much harder than it becomes once your brain straightens out. You know, I am a very disciplined person. I was a professional musician. um, And I learned How to be disciplined. I'm a really creative person, but I'm also a very disciplined person. And that line that I crossed was not okay. Like being a good mom is so foundational to my sense of self that there was no way I was going back. Was it weird? Was it uncomfortable? Was I anxious? Was my eating disorder rearing its ugly head? Yes to all of those things. You know, I can have a backbone of steel. I was not going to go back. I also, and I do this now too. I say to women, if it's not better AF, alcohol free, if it's not better AF, why bother? So I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this my all for 60 days. And if it's not better, why bother?
0: I've had a few conversations recently about that transition of addictions or how they may blur the line a bit. Does one play off of the other in your circumstance or was it recovery from one versus the next? Or I'm just curious if you would share your uh, experience with that as well.
1: Well, when I was drinking, my idea of a good time was to, um, go out with somebody else's husband, drink myself to death, eat five desserts, go and throw up and then go home and have sex with them. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I was a a good good time girl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so what happened for me was I put down the drink and my bulimia just really got bad. And Nate, what I found is that, look, I like to get get numb for two reasons, primarily. Number one, there was an edge that I had to take off. And number two, I am so intuitive and so clairvoyant that I pick up on everybody else's vibe and I can't tell what's mine, what's yours. I used to not be able to. I didn't know how to clear other people's stuff out. I didn't know how to turn it off. And both of those things made me so uncomfortable in my skin that I had to get numb. Mm. And what I've found is once I learn how to be comfortable in my own skin, how to regulate my nervous system, how to turn off my psychic satellite, as my kids call it, (laughs) Um, and how to live from spiritual principles, rather than being run by fear, then I don't have an edge that needs to be taken off by whatever it is drinking, eating sugar, yeah. whatever. And so that's been the key to my long term sobriety has been really learning how to live in a way where I'm stepping through my circle of fear, and I'm living in flow.
0: That's powerful because getting to a point where there isn't that edge that you have to take off—that that's so powerful. That hit me because I remember trying to fall asleep at night when I was still drinking, and just this overwhelming sense of anxiety and just that feeling in your stomach and your nerves just on, just tingling and on hundred on the scale and. Now with some tools and and some things that I do regularly, meditation and breathing exercises and other things that supplement my recovery, I can live without that edge. And it is something worth, it, It it is priceless and I wouldn't give it up for anything.
1: The two things that I've learned, one is to, to focus on one spiritual principle a week. Mm. So my favorite spiritual principle is amusement, right? But, um, yeah, you wouldn't think of that as a spiritual principle, but most
0: people wouldn't classify that as a spiritual principle.
1: I think it is a sense of lightness and amusement, I think is absolutely a spiritual principle. and. If I hold that in my mind, in the forefront of my mind, and it's my intention for every day is to practice amusement, to look for amusement, to hold my body and the posture of amusement, to try to breathe the way you breathe when you're amused, um, then all of a sudden it, it gives me something to focus on that day that eases the irritation and the impatience.
0: Wow. You've blown my (laughs) mind. Kay. I'm like mind blown. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sitting here trying to think of how I can apply that daily because who doesn't love to be amused? Who doesn't love to laugh? And that feeling that your body has when you're amused. So
1: look, Nate, this is what I believe. We all live in these prisons that we have created out of fear. It's all fear. Hundred hurt feelings, fear, anger, yeah. fear. Like fear is underneath all of it. You didn't meet my expectations. That's because of fear. It's all run by fear. But we 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 created it. We created it, and that same ability we have to create fear, we can create amusement. We can create gratitude. Yes, we can create whatever we want. We have that amount of creative power.
0: Can I ask you about your clairvoyant? energies?
1: Yeah, what do you want to know?
0: <laughs> well, I hear a lot that like people who consider themselves to be empaths and say that they, you know, feel the feelings of other people and take on other people's energy and take on other people's sadness and happiness and, and you know, the, the energy that they're putting off how do you strengthen that clairvoyant muscle?
1: Oh, I gotta tell you, this is like the best podcast interview I've ever had. I (laughs) I love love this interview. Um, I think that, look, you can put all kinds of labels on being able to know things without knowing how you know them. Yeah. Um, empath. Yes. I identify with that clairvoyant. Yes. I identify with that psychic, Yes, I actually identify with that. And before you think I sound like a flake, I want you to know that I have had four companies that have made millions of dollars. So I'm I'm not like with the oh, glass don't. bowl somewhere <laughs> right. you know,
0: no. with the
1: neon sign. That's not <laughs> me. Um, but what here's what I've found. Using psychic tools, using clairvoyant or empath or intuitive skills um tools have helped me get unblocked from the old stories that used to run me. And all those stories were fear. And so I'm just going to teach you two quick, two quick things. One is to imagine that you have um, like a tail that goes all the way from your sits bones all the way down to the center of the earth. Okay. So it's a tube, it's a tail, it's a A giant-sized straw or the a hollow tree trunk or something, right? So just imagine that in the center of the earth, it clicks in like a seatbelt clicks in. And anything that no longer serves you, just in your mind's eye, set your intention that anything that doesn't serve you anymore is going to go down that tube. Okay. And um, what's cool about that is all that negative energy, the center of the earth recycles it and neutralizes it. So we don't have to feel like we're polluting. And then the second tool is, as you've got that grounding cord going, is to imagine that you have a giant golden sun over your head and you can fill it in with, let's just fill it in with amusement for kicks. And, And imagine that you poke a hole in the bottom of it and it comes in through the top of your head and you can just feel that kind of giggly bubbly kind of yellow color coming down like behind your eyes past your mouth down your throat ah through your shoulders and your chest and your belly and your hips and down your legs and as it as it like as it plunges down, it's squeegeeing out all the gunk that isn't amusement, right? And that goes down your grounding cord. So it's a great way of just kind of shifting your energy.
0: The grounding cord, is that common terminology or? Yes. Yeah. I love that grounding cord. So you talk about working with different companies and corporations and in what capacity have you helped uh, these companies to, to, to better themselves, or is it from a business standpoint or a culture standpoint?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I, my first company was called the energy infuser and we used consumer insights to help fortune 200 companies create their next hundred million dollar platforms, be it brands or new product ideas or business models. And it was called the energy infuser because I infused the energy of the human beings that they were trying to serve into their corporations. Mm. And so I did a lot of qualitative market research. So I have probably interviewed 10,000 people all over the world in my career doing that. And it made me really curious about what makes people tick because I have come to the conclusion That everything we do makes sense to us in some way. And if you do something that is incomprehensible to me, (laughs) it's on me to get curious about how you see the world. Because what you've done makes sense to you. It's obvious to you. And then I get really, really curious. And that's what I taught these clients. I called it having a fluid point of view rather than a fixed point of view. Mm. I encouraged them. I coaxed them to come and pretend they were standing in my high heels for a couple minutes and could see the world (laughs) through my eyes rather than looking at me as somebody that was buying six jars of mayonnaise a year or whatever. whatever. Right. A statistic. Right. Exactly. Exactly.
0: So I want to get into Juicy AF and talk about where the idea came from and the concept.
1: Oh, yeah. So Juicy came from that first story that I told you that I really want to embody how juicy and sparkly and full of magical possibilities um, being alcohol free can be free from alcohol, free to create a magnificent life. Yes. Right. And, um, and just the AF kind of a cheeky, fun, amused point of view in the world. I love it. Um, And so it is a program for women who are either sober curious or wanting to get alcohol free or who already are alcohol free. And there are a combination of three skills that I teach. One is intuitive skills to take care of that live wire antenna that we all are learning how to work with it rather than having to numb it out. Um, I also teach people how to create connection by designing conversations, one conversation at a time. And then also this idea of taking spiritual actions. That is another part of the program that I've put together. And all of this, Nate, is a result of decades of experience and learning for me, not only as an alcohol-free woman, but also as a successful entrepreneur and executive coach and as a clairvoyant. And I've never seen anything put together quite like this. Um, So I'm so excited about encouraging people to envision their ideal future selves and then show them the roadmap to get between where they are now Mm -hmm. and that ideal future self that they want to be.
0: Yeah, I think sometimes that can be the overwhelming piece of taking the leap is the question mark in between. Here's where I am. Here's. There is where I want to be. And I think, you know, the same as as we think about, oh, how am I not going to drink for the rest of my life? If we take it one step, one day, one road on our roadmap at a time, it becomes less overwhelming. Um, I think that's
1: right. What I've found is that getting through that circle of fear of, oh, my God, what is my life going to be like without drinking? Yeah. I needed two things. Number one, I needed a roadmap to help me see what this new world could actually be. And number two, I needed companions on my trip. I needed connection. I needed other women like me who were going through this experience for the first time. And I sure needed those women that had more years of experience than I did, who were really pointing out the way. Yeah. For people that are just becoming alcohol-free, I help them on a very practical level set themselves up for success with kind of three elements, their environment, meaning physical and social, um, number two, their habits, and number three, making a 100% commitment to being alcohol-free for the duration of whatever our experiment together is gonna be. So my first program is a 21-day um, alcohol-free experiment kind of program. Got it. So that program is very, very practical and geared for people that are going alcohol-free um, for the first time. I then have a longer program Program that is um, has ten modules, learning modules in it, where I teach people how to get clear about their ideal future self, how to identify their old stories and their old patterns and their old belief. Even go and teaching them how to do a past life reading on themselves, really old stories. Yeah, and then. Um, we create a prescription for the antidote to those old stories. Mm. So uh, from a clairvoyance standpoint, we race patterns and um, work with a healing master. From a more practical standpoint, we learn how to design new conversations based on spiritual principles. So it is a, a eat this, not that, but yeah. on a spiritual level, right? So if you think you're not good enough, how about instead focusing on being really honest and really vulnerable and really brave? Okay. Yeah. Right. So there's an antidote because nature abhors a vacuum. You can't tell me to stop thinking that I'm not good enough. I don't know what else to think about. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah.
0: Uh, Kay, Where can people find you online or get more information on the courses?
1: So for your listeners, I have a special offer for this 21-day program. Um, you can find me at juicyaf.life forward slash 21. And if you go to that place yeah. and sign up, um, I'll I'm also offering it to your listeners for 50% off.
0: Wow, that's amazing.
1: Yeah.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Do we have time for me to tell you one yeah, story? Yeah, for sure. So, March 12th of 2020. Remember? Yeah. Like
0: <laughs> that's the beginning of it, right?
1: Yeah. And I on March 11th, I had gone to a meeting and felt really uncomfortable. Didn't want to hold anybody's hand, yeah. didn't sit way in the corner. So I decided to start a meeting, a 12-step meeting on Zoom, because I use Zoom for business all yeah. the time, for my girlfriends and my sponsees and all of that. And today, last night on that meeting night, we had 80 people, seven days a week, seven days a week. It's been going for two years and eight months. Oh, my God. I have people chills. People all over the world and literally... Nate, I have seen, and it's the guys that get me. I've seen men walk in, green, shaking, crying. Their wives are leaving them. They got fired. They've been kicked out of their house. And 30 days later, that little pilot light behind their eyes has flickered back on. Yeah, And there is just something so humbling and overwhelming. It's like being a witness to somebody being born.
0: Oh, it's so and true.
1: It's such a great feeling. And I'm such an addict. I'm like, I want more of that. <laughs> give me more, give me more. And, and that really, because that community is so warm and so welcoming and so smart and honest and kind, like I know that I'm good at creating these envelopes or packages or energetic spaces for people to come into that are transformative when they pick up the things that are offered there. Mm. And that's the meaning of what I'm doing with the rest of my life. So I am here and I am fully in.
0: I wanted to ask you if there are a few tangible things that our listeners can take from our interview today or some things perhaps that folks in early recovery can take away from from today's interview and utilize uh in their in their daily life.
1: The first thing I'll say if you're newly sober is to make a 100% commitment. And I'm not talking about the rest of your life. I'm just talking about the next 30 days, the next 7 days, whatever you feel like you can do. And here's why it's actually easier. It's easier to make a 100% commitment than it is to have a 99% commitment. Because mm. with 99%, you're always wondering, is this the exception? Is it not the exception? La la. And our deciders get tired. Mm. And if we're constantly deciding if this is the exception or not, Our deciders are going to get so tired, and a tired decider makes (laughs) bad decisions.
0: (laughs) Very true. You always find that one little cracked door, don't we?
1: So that's the first really, really practical thing that I would say. Um, The second thing that I would invite you to think about is who is your ideal future self? What principles does that person operate from? daydream like go play dress up with me and your imagination daydream if you are your ideal self and you wake up in the morning what do you see what's out your window is it the eiffel tower is it a handsome dude is it a horse you know like what do you a fireplace like what do you see when you open your eyes and what is your haircut like and what conversations do you want to be in all day that day So, to start with very clearly articulating and getting a mental image, not only of what that person looks like, but the feeling that you have when you're that person. Because once you get clear about your future and where you're going, it's going to be easier for you to let
0: go of your past. So powerful. So powerful, yet attainable. Very good starting blocks. I think that those. Th- those are very important. You nailed it. Good. good, good. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for your time today. I want you're a
1: very to... special guy. You've got oh. great energy. And seriously, I was a professional interviewer. You're
0: very good. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> let's uh, be in touch. Again, I will link Kay's information and uh, the 50% offer that we discussed in today's show notes. Kay, enjoy your day. We'll talk soon, my friend. Sounds great, Nate. Take care. Thank you so much for listening today, friends. Hopefully you heard something that resonates with you. And if we help just one person, our job is done make sure you check today's show notes for all the information discussed in the episode and how to connect with our guests. And as always, check us out at the sobrietydiaries.com youtube.com slash Nate Kelly, and on Instagram at the sobriety diaries pod. Please head over to Apple podcasts and rate and review the show friends. It truly helps other people to find the show. And in turn, we can help more people. Until next Wednesday, try your best not to drink and be good to yourselves. Bye, everyone.